Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to be ending this series, this part three series of What is Love? In the past month or the past couple weeks, we've been trying to really identify what love is. Matter of fact, this series, it wasn't supposed to be a series. We are supposed to be just talking about love on Valentine's Day because it was a... It was weird. It was Valentine's Day. It was on a Sunday this year. So we were like, hey, let's just roll with it. But then God started speaking to me about this concept of love and how love is so important. And if you do love, if you, if you live love the wrong way, it's going to take you in places you never wanted to be. Matter of fact, if you do love the wrong way, it will hurt you. It, it, will, it will be like very, um, it will, it will, you will be doing it the wrong way. But when you do it God's way. You can do it. You can actually live out the, the love that he has for us. Love is so important in our life because love surrounds everything we do. Love is in every aspect of our life, from, from marriages to dating to friendships, even to our love for God. If we don't understand what love is, we're going to be straight away from with our feelings and emotions. And I don't know about you, but our feelings and emotions are crazy sometimes. So when, it, when we go to what love is, we go to what truth is, and it becomes something beautiful in our life, and, and that we don't have to identify it through just a feeling. Last week, we talked about this concept of phileo love, and this phileo love is a brotherly love that we have with one another, and we said that phileo love, it protects. It has no um, prejudice. It ha- it, the phileo love is sometimes tough love, tough love. Sometimes you got to be told, hey, you're doing something dumb, dummy. You know, it's a tough love. So today I want to talk about the last concept of love that is really important. If we don't understand this kind of love, we don't know how to identify with the father. And it's called agape love. Agape love. What is agape love in the scripture? It says agape love is at the highest level of love referenced in the Bible. This form of love is everlasting, is sacrificial, and whatever, it's a different kind of level of love. The original Greek translation of agape love, it says, God is love. In matter of fact, it is who he is. He embodies love in our life. Agape love in the Bible, it's love, it's love that comes from God. Matter of fact, it's his character. It's who God is. It is love. Love, uh, agape love, for us in our sinful state, it doesn't come natural. Agape love doesn't come natural in our sinful state, but through God, through Jesus and what he's done, he gives us this, this understanding of what this kind of sacrificial love is. By drawing closer to Jesus and experiencing him, it gets us a more understanding of what agape love is in our life. Do you know that you can't earn this kind of love? It's freely given. It's freely given. It goes through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. The whole concept and the theme of the Bible is love. It's God's love for us. And he calls us to this thing called redemption. He redeems us. Redemption means this, an action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. Aren't you glad that God redeems us from our sin? 
that we don't have to live in our sin, that he comes, when we accept him as our personal savior, he redeems us for not for what we, what, the things we can do, but what he's done on that cross. He redeems us. So through, through the whole Bible, we see this, this theme of love. We can point the love theme, the agape love of Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to take a quick little second here, and we're going to go through the whole Bible. And I'm going to tell you the theme and how his love kind of just just transforms from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis, he's the creator and the promise redeemer. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he wa- he's the water in the desert. In Deuteronomy, he's the one that cure- he- he's the one that um, he-, he's- he becomes the cures uh, the-, the curse for us. In, jo- in Joshua, he's the commander of the army of the Lord. In Judges, he delivers us from all injustice. In Ruth, he's the kingsman and he's the redeemer. In 1 Samuel, he's all one. He's the, he's the prophet, he's the priest, and he is the king. In 2 Samuel, king, he's the king of grace and love. In 1 Kings, he's the ruler greater than Solomon. In 1 Kings, he's the powerful prophet. In 1 Chronicles, he's the son of David and is becoming in his rule. In 2 Chronicles, he's the king who reigns eternally. In Ezra, he's the priest proclaiming freedom. In Nehemiah, he's the one who restores that was broken down. In Esther, he's the protector of his people. In Job, He's the mediator between God and man. In Psalm, he's the song of the morning and in in the night. In Proverbs, he's our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's the meaning of life. In Songs of Solomon, he's the author and the faithful lover. In Isaiah, he's the suffering servant. In Jeremiah, he's the weeping Messiah. In Lamentation, he was the God of wrath for us. In Ezekiel, he's the son of man. In Daniel, he's the stranger in the fire with us. In Hosea, Hosea, he's the faithful husband who does not run away. In Joel, he's he's the sending of the spirit to his people. In Amos, he's the deliverer, justice for the oppression. In Obadiah, he's the judge who does, who the judges over evil. In Jonah, he's the greatest missionary. In Micah, he cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. In Nehemiah, he proclaims the future world peace for the ones that cannot even imagine. In, in Habakkuk, he crushes injustice. In Zephaniah, he's the warrior who saves. In Haggai, he restores us in worship. In, Ze- in Zechariah, he prophesies a Messiah pierced for us. In, in Malachi, he's the son righteous that brings healing. That's the Old Testament. Love. In in Matthew, he's the Messiah who is king. In Mark, he's the Messiah who is the servant. In Luke, he's the Messiah who is the deliverer. In John, he's the Messiah who's God in flesh. In Acts, he was a spirit dwelling in his people. In Romans, he's the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, he's the power of love of God. In 2 Corinthians, he's the, he's the down payment for what is to come. In, in, in Galatians, he is the very life, Ephesians, the unity of the church. 
In Philippians, the joy of our life. Colossians, he holds the supreme position of all things. In 1 Thessalonians, he comforts in the last days. In 2 Thessalonians, he's the returning king. In 1 Timothy, he's the savior of the worst sinners. How about you? Okay. In 2 Timothy, he's the leader of leaders. In Titus, he's the foundation of truth. In Philemon, he's the mediator. In Hebrews, he's the high priest. In James, he's the mature of our faith. And if you keep on reading, i got so many more. There's a couple more left. In 1 Peter, our hope in the times of suffering. In 2 Peter, the one who guards from the false teachings. In 1 John, he's the source of our fellowship. In 2 John, he's, he's the God in flesh. In the 3 John, he's the source of truth. In Jude, he protects the stumbling. In Revelation, He's the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's the alpha. He's the omega, the beginning, the end, the all coming thing. He's making all things new. I don't want to. I did that to show you that all of it was pointing to Jesus. And Jesus came in love for you. His love does so many things for us. Not only does he is loving us, his agape love shows us how we need to love others. See, that's what he did. You know, he, he came and showed us what love is so we can be love to others. See, I want to do a little, I think it's an acronym, right? When you do the little things. Yeah, acronyms. We're going to do an acronym on love. These are our points for today. And just to explain what this love, this agape love does for us. L, what he does for us is he shows us love. The first one is love. His love for me shows me how I should love others. We are a, we, we are a mess in our lives, but God still calls us his children. It, it doesn't make sense to me. I can't comprehend how, because when somebody backstabs me, I don't go back and say, hey, I love you. It doesn't work. But through his love, it shows me an example how I should love others. Without his example of love, I'm always going to be disappointed. Without me knowing what agape loves, I'm always going to be disappointed because I can't match up his love to me, to our love because we don't understand it. But when we come and understand his love for us, it's easy to love others. It's easy to love others. By him showing his true love, I can live out this love. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, it showed an indication of what Jesus wanted in this world, he instructed his followers to do the same. He tells them to love your neighbor as well as your enemies. Yet the task is so hard to love our neighbor, but it shows us through the fruits of the spirit in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 how to do that. Here's the thing I love about God is he just doesn't say, hey, figure it out. He gives us the instruction manual. He shows us, hey, I want you to do this way. I'm trying to build a kingdom that is like no other. I'm trying to build a kingdom that's not like every other kingdom. And guess what? Here is how to do it. So, but how are we supposed to build this kingdom of love of what Jesus wants us if we're not reading the instruction manual? Because in Galatians, it shows me exactly the fruits of I have to be fruitful in my life. And it's the fruits of the spirit. 
When we rest and abide in God, he, over, he overpours his love on us, and then that needs to be a result on others. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Dear friend, let us love one another, for love comes, out, comes from God. Everyone who lo- has loves has been born in God and knows God. It identifies with us knowing God and then love. If we do not love, we do not know God. I mean, it's that practical. If I have, you know, if I don't know love, I don't know God. But when you put it together, it's something beautiful. It's called salvation. It's called redemption. It's called love. We need to know this kind of love so then I can love others as well. How about O? What does his agape love? His agape love is O. It draws us to obedience. Okay. We don't like this one. I don't like to obey some of the stuff that's in the Bible. You know why? Because I don't like it. It strips me of me. It, It makes me think of others. It makes me put my pride down. Who has pride? You're looking at your pastor. It, 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 it tells us that we, if we don't know, his love draws us to obedience to him. In, first, in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 14 says, as obedient children, do not conform to the passions of the former ignorance. He calls us. That when we, when we get into this agape love that he has, for that he freely gives to us, there is a concept of us obeying what he tells us to do. That there can't be two things. There can't be like, I'm soaking in his love, but I don't obey his words. It, it, it does not flow that way. It can't, you, can't, you can't operate in that way. You can't just be a receiver and not be one that is going to put the work into it. And the way we do that is obedience through his words. Sometimes, you know, uh, by us accepting his love, it's a no-brainer to be obedient to his words. It's a no-brainer. But the problem is, it's a no-brainer, but we don't do it. You know why? Because obedience stretches us. It's like a rubber band. It's stretch, 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 and eventually you think it's going to pop. I don't have one, Josh. I'm not stretching anything. He's like, ugh. (laughs) It stretches us. Matter of fact, his obedience strips us. Sometimes it makes us vulnerable. His his, his obedience chisels us. You take a rock and you want it to become this beautiful statue and everything like that. it's, It's chiseled. I mean, it's broken to pieces at times. But the result at the end of it is something beautiful, something that you put on display. His love does this for us. It makes me look past my will. It makes me look past my feelings. And it makes me want to believe and to follow the truth, to trust his truth. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says, um, doesn't the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as he uh, obey in the Lord? It says, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fats of rams. What does that mean? It says back in the day, the way that you got closer to God, the way that you you presented your sins to him is you had to sacrifice an animal, sacrifice something and bring it to the the altar and then 
it will say your sins are forgiven. But now when Jesus comes in the picture, he becomes a sacrifice. He's the, he, he's the one. So what this verse is saying is like, yeah, isn't, isn't these burnt offerings great? Yeah, they're great. But isn't obedience even better? We have to obey what he says. Obedience is key. His love, his unconditional love needs to draw us to obeying what he tells us to do. His agape love. Number three. V, his, his agape love draws us and shows us victory in our life. Because of the sacrifice he did, we have victory in our life. We can't live life defeated when we already won the battle. But in, in life, we listen to the words of our brain and we listen to the lies of the enemy in our, in our mind and we live life defeated when God has called us to victory. His love, his agape love for us draws us and makes us identify victory in our life. See, because his love, I live victorious. Without the sacrifice he did, I wouldn't, without, without his sacrifice and love for me, I would be bound to my sin. Without his love, I'll be bound to my pride. I'll be bound to my unforgiveness. But his love was displayed on a cross, and his love for me on a daily basis gives me victory of the things that are trying to hold me back. It's victory in my life. But do you understand that victory is a state of mind? Victory is a state of mind. You can't live victorious but be in prisoner to your mind. You can't. God has said, hey, you're victorious through Christ Jesus. But then in our, in our soul and our mind, we're like, I'm defeated like a little lamb that was sacrificed. We have to understand that the words of the, of the Bible is live and active for me in this moment. So if it says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, guess what? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If it says that I am more than an overcomer, guess what? You are more than an overcomer. We have to speak truth in our life because the enemy's going to come and try to speak negativity in your life. But when God's love is apparent in our life, victory is obtained. See, John chapter 8, verse 36 says, so if the sun sets free, you're what? Free indeed. There's not like, hey, if the sun sets free, you got to go to, you know, this step and this step. and that. No, it's clear. It says, hey, matter of fact, he probably, if I, if I wrote this in the Bible, you know, which you don't want me to do that, um, is I would say, if the sun sets you free, dummy, stop doing other things. You're free. That's my version. King, King Eric version. King, no, I'm the King Eric. That's horrible. Um, we will be editing that off our live stream. Um, there is no mistake. There's no mistakes. You are free. You don't have to go back. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in embarrassment again. When the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. We live victorious in our life. Because of my confession of him, I can live through his love and victory in this world, his love changes the game. His agape love changes the game. The last one, E, his love, because of his love, his agape love, we have the, the hope of eternity in our life. Eternity. Let me give you a newsflash. This world is going to be gone, gone. 
bye-bye. Eventually, you're going to, there, there's a heaven and there's a hell. And the, the, the reality is you will meet one of them. But with God's love, knowing that what he did for me, I have a hope that I will live with him forever. That there's an eternity that I have. Through his love, I know that this world is just temporary. And, and when I take my last breath, I take my next breath in eternity with him. See, the thing is, his love, there's no separation anymore. His love gives, gives us full access to him. I don't have to live in fear when I have his love in my life because I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going because of his love, because of his sacrifice. And when I'm obedient to him and I live in victory and I, ha I have the hope for eternity in my life. Let me ask you this question. Do you know where you're going when you take your last breath? We don't preach about this enough in church. But the reality is, it's there. He's coming soon. We have to be faced. Here's the thing what, what, here's the thing what 2020 has done for each and every one of us. It has, it, has put, it has put eternity and death right in front of us, and we're all fearful for it. It, 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 has, it has faced us with our immorality to to. to to second guess some of the things we're doing, to, to draw us back to God. But the reality is we don't have to live in fear because death is there. We, live in, we don't live in fear. We live in hope because we know that there's a God that loves us and we can spend eternity with him. That should be a heavy question, but it shouldn't be a fearful one. In John chapter 5, verse 24, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent, um, sent me as eternal, sent me as eternal, eternal life. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In John chapter 1, verse 12, but all who, all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave him the right to be called children of God. There is a heaven, there is a hell. We are destined to one, but the good news is his love draws me to eternity with him. It draws me. I'm glad that his love gave me this hope to know that this is not the end. That this world, I'm just passing through. That I have a hope because of his love for me, his agape love, his unconditional love. He set a place for me that when I take my last breath here, guess what? I'm in eternity with him. But when you're on this world, see, we can be so eternity mindset that, we're, that we, we lose what God is doing here. We have to be ready. We have to put our hands to the plow and work and, and do what God has called us to do here. But yes, there's that hope of eternity later. See, some Christians, they're like, well, I'm going with Jesus. You're saved, and then you just coast to eternity. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to be disciples, disciples of Christ. So while we are still have breath in our lungs, we have purpose in our life, we got to continue to do what he's called us to do until we take that last breath. And then guess what? It's a party in heaven. I go with Jesus. I go, I, I'm go we got to know that his love draws us to Eternal life with him. His agape love, as I close, was displayed on a cross. Think about this. A, a man with no sin, 
a man that embodied love took a price of death on a cross for you. Bloodied, spat on, punched, kicked, to the point of exhaustion. And then guess what? Punch, kick, on top of that. It said that he was unrecognizable. The, it said that it was so gruesome. Sometimes we put this like veggie tale thing to the story, but here's the reality. It was a horrible day. His beard was like ripped from his, from his face. My kid sometimes goes like this and I scream like a little baby. His hair torn. A sacrifice. When he didn't deserve it, he didn't do anything for it. But he took on the pain, the hurt. And when he was on that cross, I can only imagine when he's on that cross, people laugh. The same people that were praising him weeks before are now laughing at him, thinking he's a joke. But with all love, humility, he closed his eyes. And I can only imagine that when he closed his eyes, the picture he had was me was you. In, in Romans 5 and 8, it says it like this, but God showed his love for us that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Think about that. It's agape love. That when he's hanging on that cross, he knew you were going to sin. He, he knew that you were going to do what he knew that you were going to turn your back towards him. He knew that you grew up in church and then at one point you were going to turn away and he knew everything you were going to do in your life. And when he closed his eyes, the picture that he had was you. And you know what he said? It's worth it. It's worth it. We were still sinners. Christ still died for us. That's why it shouldn't be this hard thing to obey his word. I don't know about you. I'm not going to do that for you. I'm just being human right now. He did it willingly. And guess what? He will do it over and over and over and over. And because you know why? Love. He loves us so much that he gave his only son for us, for us to what? He have eternal life with him. So it should be a no-brainer for us to live in victory. 
it should be a no-brainer for us to obey his word. It should be a no-brainer to love our neighbor as ourselves. It should be a no-brainer to reach out to the ones that, do, that, that nobody cares about. It's a no-brainer because of what he did for me. I activate things in my heart to activate to this world what I can do for him. You don't come to church to just, just check off a quota of being a Christian. You come because of the sacrifice he did. No-brainer, I need to wake up on a Sunday to come worship him. We complicate things so many times. We complicate things so many times. Oh, I'm just so tired. What do you think he was? We have to think life practical. What he done for me, nobody will do it, so I need to do, I need to be the best version I can be. I need to obey him with all I have. I need to love like I never loved before. I need to live in victory, because why I'm gonna live in defeat when he's already won the battle? It's changing our mind to knowing what his love is for us, so I can be loved to the world. Let me ask you a question. If you took your last breath right now, where would you go? Where would you go? It's that real in our life today. Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you and we're in this together.